Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I was really impressed with the Oilers tonight. A 3-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks with in a game where Nurse McDavid and Dreisaitl weren't playing. And the Oilers looked good. They looked really good, Bruce. I just was impressed with their hard work. Their skill with the puck, good decisions, checking, uh, defensive discipline, goaltending, kind of all aspects of the game, I thought, uh, were sharp for the Oilers tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It was, uh, you know, it was was the kind of game where the Oilers had to uh, um, play against a much deeper team, so to come out with the win... Is as uh, a nice result, and even as I don't think the uh, the win was the primary primary objective, I think this was a game about process. But yeah, we'll take the bonus win. And even as they were kind of hanging on a bit at the end for a long stretch of time, Edmonton held a three nothing lead, and they were checking the crap right out of Vancouver. They couldn't even get out of their own zone <clears throat> or establish much in the way of uh, of uh, uh, Offensive zone pressure for long stretches. They find they brought they brought a lot in the first sort of ten minutes of the game, and then again down the stretch when they scored both of their goals to make it close and, and very nearly tied up in the dying seconds. But uh, Oilers got a big save when they needed it most and walked away with their fourth consecutive one goal win all in regulation to wrap up the preseason. It seems, almost seems like a waste, you know, to all those protected leads when. You get zero points to show for it, but you might as well establish a practice of winning the close ones. Do good habits carry over into the future would be the question, and I, I, I suspect that they do. So I'll take that out of those those victories. Yep. Bruce, yep. Um, two good things, two bad things, two numbers. Because mm. it's an owner's win, we'll go with two good things each. What's your good thing? Well, my good thing, number one, is uh, I'm going to credit Dave Tippett uh, for uh, very sound decision-making on the roster that he presented in Vancouver tonight, uh, leaving basically the first line at home, uh, leaving the first defense pairing at home, leaving the number one goalie at home, and giving every other one of the 26 players on the uh, roster fighting for jobs uh, a chance to not only play and show what they can do, but to kind of kind of hit above their weight class a little bit because the whole lineup got pushed up, right? I mean, the Nugent Hopkins line that would normally be number two was the top line. And the Derek Ryan line that normally would be number three, they got bumped up into the second line. And then the two sort of lines both vying for the fourth line all got a chance to show show their stuff. And the same happened on the defense where the Keith Cece pairing was shoved into a, a, a top billing role and then all four guys battling for those last two or three spots at the bottom of the roster. Again, they all got a chance to show their stuff. And against a pretty strong Vancouver club, you know, they had uh, uh, centering their uh, top three lines. They had uh, Elias Pedersen on one line, um, Bo Horvat on another, and JT Miller on the third. And, I mean, that's going to be tough to handle at the best of times. But when you're missing your, you know, your two top centers... In uh, McDavid and Drysaddle, uh, 
you know, the Oilers were in pretty deep, and yet they managed to uh, to hold their own for long stretches of the night. I think they're maybe a little bit lucky to come out with the win, but whatever. It's uh, like I say, it was more about process than it was about results. And I thought Tippett's sort of uh, uh, macro view of the process of giving everybody a shot and you know there's no real like what have McDavid and Drysaddle got to prove at this point in the preseason they've played games they you know they've produced points uh there's no nothing to be gained and potentially something to be lost if they go to Vancouver and get nicked up or something you know so I just thought it was it was good coaching to challenge the guys further down the lineup uh, to go out and do the job, and they res- they responded. So uh, good on him and them. Agreed. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't. Why play? Like, let did they stay home? Like they could even rest at home. Maybe I don't even know if they came on the trip. But that's that's great that oh, nice. they could just relax and uh, not risk injury. And Bruce, mm-hmm. I I I like the young guys on the mm-hmm. in the in this game because I thought. For the first time, Ryan McLeod really brought his A game. Um, Tyler Benson had one mistake, which I'm going to get to in a bit, but um, I thought he played well, generally speaking. Evan Bouchard, I thought, after a couple weaker games, rebounded and had a really good game. And Stuart Skinner in the net. Bruce, I'm starting to become a believer in Stuart Skinner. He just looks so able and settled in the net. Just he looks like an NHL goalie. And he never looked like when I... I didn't see him. I saw him last year a bit, and he looked pretty good last year. But he just looks better and better and better to the point where you're thinking, well, yeah, they're going to have to give this guy an NHL shot, and he's going to be ready for it next year. If there's an injury, he's going to be ready for it. He he uh, he played extremely well. Looked good in the nets. Bouchard made some fabulous passes. Uh, he he was back on the money with his passes, and and when he's on the money, it's just I I love watching the guy pass the puck. He just passes it hard and right on the tape, and it sticks to the other person's stick. He must put some spin on that thing. He can really, and then of course there was his goal, which was <laughs> absolutely fantastic. John Garrett, who is you know mysteriously still announcing Vancouver Canuck games after you know what has he been at it forty years now. Good for him. But um, anyway, he was crediting Warren Fogle for that constantly. And I was thinking, did you see Bouchard pick the corner on that shot? He just totally picked a spot and hammered it in there. I love it when the puck goes back to him on the power play. And good things happen. And, and, and yeah, McLeod, um, all kinds of nice plays with the puck. He, he's got real skill out there. And he showed it tonight. He, he, he did, I think he made up his mind he was going to. He was going to try to do something, accomplish something. And I noticed a little bit more heaviness in his game as well. I mean, this has been an ongoing issue throughout his career as a major junior AHL player. You know, you know, people pushing him to be a, a heavier hockey player. Uh, you know, he, he, but he can, he, when when his skill game is going, that guy has got a lot of skill and he, and he displayed it tonight. And, it, and there was just enough grit that he, he, he hung in there fairly well. So I, it's just great, Bruce, that we have this group of younger players, and Logason is kind of in that group as well, who, who when they get this opportunity, like they don't fall flat on their face. Like there's this whole group of Oilers players we never had coming up from the farm. I mean, it might, you can argue it started with Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones, and I think that's fair. It did. And we're seeing another wave of them. 
And we're going to see another wave after that. This is huge for the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, it was great to see them come through tonight. Well, that's the way it's supposed to work, right? I mean, the farm team is supposed to be constantly replenishing. Yes, it's, it's supposed tough. to work that way, yes. You know, but when you does look, it? When you look at successful teams, you see that they, you know, they're graduating one or two guys a year from their system to yeah uh, to keep the team, you know, young and cheap, at least some positions. And so it's nice to see the Oilers catching the train. And uh, finally, starting, eh? starting to deliver on... on uh, on that front and yeah those guys i thought they all kind of had their best game including laguson uh of the preseason and he after his last game where he got destroyed i thought last uh last saturday against uh was it calgary that they yeah i think so or it was winnipeg yeah and he, okay. he kept getting caught above the puck and they kept burning him down low after getting after enticing him to chase the puck and tonight he held his position a little better and and won some battles. So it was uh, encouraging to see. I'm not sure that he's going to win the battle that matters most, though, which is uh, getting his way onto the roster. It's a, it's a, it's a tall order because uh, none of the guys above him is laying down, you know. No, it's, you, you know, in a way, like they signed Russell to this extra year. Maybe it wouldn't have been better to do that. Maybe it would have been better to, to, but if Russell's a better player than Lagason, and he might still be, right? Chris Russell still can hang in there. And um, sure I guess the question nice is... Pass, didn't he, uh, Chris Russell, on the second goal to Sevier? When they pushed the puck through and sent Sevier in deep, and he passed to Perlini. Okay. The, the I'd mainly notice the Colton Sevier pass, which was the yeah. first real moment oh, I stood up yeah, and thought, was, okay, okay. It was a nice play by Sevier, but it was, it was a... a Dazzling three-way passing play by the patented trio of Chris Russell to Colton Sevier to Brendan Perlini. I mean, you put those guys together, the goals are bound to happen. Well, Brendan Perlini's finish, finishing off he's his uh, shots like Zlat, Zlatan Ibrahimovic here. He's just <laughs> pounding him in. Um, all right, Bruce, what's your second good thing? Yeah. Oh, heck, what was my second good thing? Yamamoto. Oh, right. Yamamoto <laughs> shorthanded goal. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and with the Oilers leading 2 nothing and Vancouver getting a power play and trying to get in, in back in the game, and the Oilers' penalty kill was all over them. And eventually, uh, Elias Peterson, Pedersen, now that's a Swedish name we need to hear pronounced in the original Swedish. Uh, but he, no, he's, asked to be, he's asked that it be pronounced Pedersen, the North American. Well, he made a request. Okay, then we'll call him Patterson. I have no idea how to pronounce his first name. Anyway, he uh, he got surrounded by a pair of of little buzz saws, Derek Ryan and <laughs> Kyle Yamamoto. And between yeah. the two of them, they were all over the guy. And, and among them, they they stripped the puck and then they broke away with it two on one. And uh, Ryan made a good decision because I don't think he had the legs. To it looked like he was going to have a breakaway, but the defenseman was probably going to catch him. And he made the good decision to pass early to hit Yamamoto at the at the blue line and send him in alone on the breakaway. And Yamamoto had a bit more speed going. And he made an absolutely delectable deke and roof job right under the crossbar from close range. And what a what a what a relief that had to be for him. That's been on such a dry spell for so long to actually show 
you know, not just a goal, but, a, you know, a real pretty finishing nail of a goal with that uh, nifty move and perfect uh, shot into the into the uh, uh, into the roof of the net. Uh, a very pretty goal. And Thor's uh, had actually two of those because the Polini goal was nice as well. But uh, get the monkey off Yamamoto's back. And maybe that's a place where the uh, the uh, Spokane natives and buddies, even though they're 12 years apart, maybe that's one place where they can combine is on the penalty kill because they're both fairly effective at the role. And I, I've been thinking Yamamoto is a guy who should be able to excel in that role if he gets a gets a real shot. And I have an idea Tippett's going to uh, give him a little bit more rope in that department. Yeah, they don't have him on the power play, so he could end up sitting for long stretches of the game if he's not killing penalties. So I would, re, you know, that's a really good idea because he's such a good player. He should be playing more. Uh, I thought Nuge was really strong, Bruce, uh, especially defensively. There was a number of times he just came and stripped the puck off them. You know, he was went the full Pavel Datsuk there. You know, there was there was a time when people were hoping, you know, that Nuge might develop into that kind of heavy stick center defensively like Datsuk. He, hey, he looked at like that game. You never know. It's it's not too late. He 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 hasn't, though, up until now, become that defensive center. In fact, he's been moved to the wing, generally speaking. But I thought he had a really strong game defensively. And uh, overall, he looked like kind of a, you know, he had the job of number one center and he looked like a number one center. He 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 played well. Yeah, well, yeah, he was he was a one C tonight, and I I thought he might be uh, might be in pretty deep, and they, for sure they didn't get a lot going on offensively. He did get a secondary assist on the power play goal. Mm -hmm. His strength his line didn't produce much, but they didn't give up much either, and they were they were playing against uh, uh, some pretty high end opponents. So mission accomplished. I mean, that's the thing. Tippett's plan, uh, as I interpret it, was to not only give these guys ice time, but give them the challenges that you do get over the course of a game where you get mismatches. Well, tonight's lineups were designed that the orders were going to see a lot of a lot of mismatches, and they passed the test. Your bad thing, Bruce. Yeah, I'm going to go with the thing that uh, enraged Dave Tippett uh, late in the third period with the orders now clinging to a 3-2 to two lead. Uh, when uh, Pedersen gained the zone with uh, with uh, the greatest of ease, uh, cut into the middle and was engaged by Evan Bouchard, who received his third penalty of the night and the second, what to me was pretty much a phantom penalty. And I think what enraged Tippett on that play was not so much the call on Bouchard, but that, that call in combination with the non-call of Bo Horvat picking Yamamoto at the blue line to open the space down. It wasn't a heavy pick, but he just turned and just took him right out of the play, and Pedersen went behind him and up the boards, and that went undetected. And then the whatever poor Evan Bouchard did, the refs had it in for him all night, and he had uh, uh, so that put Vancouver on a six-on-four down by a goal with uh, what minute and twelve to play, I think it was, and. Uh, Tippett just went right off the bend. I, I would have gone off the bend myself if it had been a regular season game, but I was just kind of relaxing and watching this one. And, uh, well, it's a nice test, you know, but uh, it, uh, it was 
kind of different to see the coach go off like that. Usually he's pretty contained. Like you can see when he's feels like snapping, but he usually doesn't. But tonight he uh, he went hard at referee number three, Chris Schlinker. Anyway, and that was a uh, uh, kind of, kind of an odd play, but one that you know potentially that's a game turner. Now, if you're going to put mm-hmm. your whistle away on one play, you better be putting it away on the other play. And, you know, when you're talking about a one-goal lead and a six-on-four, that can, that can turn everything. But, yeah. anyway, it's, I didn't have a lot to complain about this game, so I'm just picking kind of a random. And same thing. I, I'm picking Benson's turnover, but it was just one s- s- mistake, and these things happen right in your own zone. Like, he... He was trying to make the play into the middle of the ice to the winger, and it was probably the right or to the center moving up, and it was probably the right play to tr- attempt to make, but it, it did was a turnover and it did result in a goal against. So, and um, you know that's a tough moment for Tyler Benson because he's trying to make this team, and and it's a big obvious mistake. So it's the kind of thing that the coach might might remember. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, that's my bad thing was his mistake on that play. I, it, 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 and again, it was just, these things happen. It's hockey, right? It, the game happens mm-hmm. fast. You're trying to make the right play and you don't execute it and it gets picked off. Well, that's, yeah. What, what I suspect the, the coach will remember that play and I suspect he'll go over with them. I don't think it's a, it's an offense that's worthy of getting cut from the team and potentially lost on waivers, but it's definitely a teachable moment. And the three messages that I think the coaching staff might be trying to teach Benson on that play is, first of all, when you're defending a lead late, don't get yeah, just eat it, yeah. Dump it up the boards or eat it. And if you're just dumping into the neutral zone, the clock ticks down another 10 or 15 seconds, maybe you make your line change. So he tried to bump it into the middle. Then his execution failed and it was a poor pass. And then as the puck cycled back, the the uh, puck was passed right through his zone of the ice to a Canuck. So he was essentially, you could, you could single out sort of three different tiny errors that collectively uh, punished the Oilers with uh, eventually that goal against. He'll have his head down about that tonight. You just know he's going to be thinking about that. And Anyway, but that's good. You're right. Because probably the safer play would have been just to chip it out, right? Yes. Like, I agree. I, I didn't hate the the attempt like i'd see i could see what he was trying to do it looked like it might be there that play but the safer play was to just chip it out yeah. and he should have done that three goal lead yeah. so yeah fair going, enough. he i thought i liked his game and i thought you know he was he was physical he was passing the puck well i didn't mind that little altercation that he got into where his opponent punched him a couple of times and he punched the guy back and when they got in the penalty box he was chirping and grinning at the guy and looking you know he, he was enjoying that uh, uh, that little battle. <clears throat> I thought he looked comfortable and at home tonight more than most nights. But then that late mistake kind of leaves a stain on his uh, showing, unfortunately. It's an interesting competition, you know, between Perlini and him. Because Perlini has been finishing, right? He scores. But, again, you wonder, is that going to continue in the regular season? And what else does Perlini bring? Like, it's hard to think of him being particularly successful at other aspects of the game. Um, so, you know, it, it, you'd think the guy who scored, what is it, six goals in six games, would it, it should be a shoe in I'm not sure that it is, though. I think it's pretty close. 
And when you're projecting a lineup and the different things you're going to need, Benson might answer. He just might tick off a few more boxes than Perlini, although Perlini's scoring in his shooting is obviously just dramatic and highly effective and takes goals to win. So, Well, when you bring a guy in on the PTO and he leads the entire NHL in goals in the preseason, what are you going to say? Well, thanks for coming. I, you know, I mean, he's on a PTO. Pardon me. He's on a contract. He's on a contract. Think, yeah. I don't think they're going to waive him after. No, I don't know. Preseason. No. Uh, showing and what else he does effectively well on his goal if you if you uh if you roll it back how you roll it back uh perlini was the guy who caused the original turnover by harassing luke shen on the forecheck and he was all over shen and he hurried uh shen hurried the pass and it went across the ice more or less to nobody and russell jumped on it and sent sevier the other way and then the goal resulted but it was really perlini's hard forecheck that cause and if he's going to forecheck like that with that big body and that speed that he's got you know if he, if he can consistently uh, put the you know pursue the puck in a manner like that he can be an effective player even if he doesn't score every night i, I wonder if what <laughs> i wonder if what that game did bruce was um you know there's been talk of the waiver wire looking at the waiver wire and maybe they will look at if Cass, depending on Cassian, you know, like add a tougher player, another tough guy. Mm-hmm. But maybe just they'll hesitate about adding a similar player to the Benson Perlini kind of player. Like they just think, well, actually, Sevier, between the guys we have, Taurus included, we kind of have guys who can play in the NHL. And um, maybe we'll just. They they all played well enough tonight that that thought might occur to them that they're just going to lay off the waiver wire right now, whereas before they might have jumped. It's a possibility because they all had good games, and and Perlini's scoring is is obviously notable. Well, from where I sit, uh, Perlini, Shore, and Turris are probably going to start the season as the fourth line. They've been together throughout the preseason, and I would say mm-hmm. they they uh, significantly have played. The alternate fourth line of uh, McLeod, Sevier, and Benson. I would go with McLeod, Perlini, and Shore. Personally, go with McLeod at center, fourth line center, and um, Shore on the wing. I like Turris has been okay. Like I think he maybe should be the extra one of the extra forwards. I'm okay with that, but I don't think. Like he hasn't been great or anything, so that's, I, I that's, and I and I like McLeod's game a lot tonight. I think he's finally maybe turned the corner here. So I hope so. I, I had him as my favorite to actually be cut. Yeah, uh, but as in more he because he he's waiver exempt. Could happen. You know, that, I mean, you, if you're, you're choosing between uh, Ryan McLeod and Tyler Benson, then it's close. Uh, and you have you know both former second round picks that. The, team has invested a lot of development time in that played well in the minor leagues and one of them is waiver exempt and one of them isn't that's the tiebreaker to me and you keep benson you give him some gains and you and you let uh give him a cloud big ice time down in the minors and say you know go down there and and knock the doors down and we'll get you back here you know but that's that's just a a, a guess on my part is how they can handle it another way they can handle it is to put somebody on injured reserve and 
Yeah, and the lineup for the first game might not be the same as the second game because of salary cap considerations. They're just weighing, they're weighing all kinds of things. And and I'm not going to get into it because frankly I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Um, the good the good news is salary cap well enough to know what permutations and combinations they have to do to make it work. They can do paper transactions on day one to open the season, and they don't actually play a game until day two. So they can undo the paper oh, transactions excellent. before they before they even have to play a game. There's none of this opening night issues because you know you're trying to get Oscar Kleffbaum's salary in a certain place or whatever. They can they can shuffle the uh, the contracts on paper, and by day two, when they actually have to play a game, they can, you know, have the have things settled. So, anyway, my my best guess is they're just going to run with uh, Shore, Perlini, and Turris as the fourth line to start, and then take it from there. You know what, Devin Shore tonight, I thought he was real good. He was like his puck support was excellent. And he was he was skating and he was coming back hard deep into the defensive zone and in good good places to uh, uh, to pick up loose pucks and get them back to the defenseman. He he, uh, he basically played I thought mistake free hockey and and you know that's not a, a a thing I would normally attribute to that player but I got a call as I see it and what I saw tonight was a guy who looked like a center and all along I've been saying he's better on the wing he's you know he's not that disciplined at the center position but if he plays like he did tonight i'm fine with him i like that he's big and fast and mm-hmm. uh he's got some skill so and, and the effort's usually there so i've not i haven't been as like i know there's a lot of people who are quite negative about the whole signing and everything i'm you know i don't i don't love it but i sure i sure don't hate it and there's a chance like you know archibald got better um shore could get better too as he gets used to the role here and the team and figures it out he could become a useful player on this team i've always thought that that's a real possibility for devon shore like you i see it on the wing though not at center but maybe i'm going to be incorrect about that as well uh bruce my number will be 2506 and 2459 that's the time on ice for duncan keith and cody cc that's a lot of ice time and uh I really like Duncan Keith's game with the puck uh, tonight. Almost every time the puck was on a stick, he made a good play. And there, there's just he's just very calm with it. He uh, knows how to create space for himself, time and space, by making a quick move. Um, he's good on the point when he gets the puck. He'll put it beside, you know, slap it in beside the net, hoping for the rebound off the boards. He's just a very savvy player with the puck on his stick. And and again, I didn't see him last year, and I hadn't watched him much in previous years, so I didn't know. I don't know what we're getting here. And I, and I was fearful. I mean, there's some people saying that the Oilers' defense, uh, you know, some analytics on ice analytics people are saying the Oilers' defense is going to be the the worst defense in the NHL at even strength. Is this prediction? I'm starting to think maybe not. I mean, it's, and and again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going to wait five, ten games before you know you start to get a real sense of Duncan Keith, but. That was a promising game in terms of the skill set that he flashed with the puck. I'm a little worried without the puck still that he might have lost a step in terms of coverage and getting on players. Seeing that a little bit maybe, but uh, man, that guy, he, he can pass the puck. He can control the puck and he's constantly making smart plays with the puck. So he's still got that going on. 
Yeah, there was one play where the guy chipped the puck up the boards, and I thought Keith's just going to win the race to it, but he more or less tied the race, and, and I thought that it's, he looked a little bit slower on that than I would expect. And one other play of his, well, two other plays, when Vancouver pulled the goalie with like three and a half minutes left and won the face-off, and then they, were, they had like 90 seconds of possession or... or the zone time in Edmonton zone. Edmonton actually did have possession twice. Duncan Keith had the puck on his stick and twice he couldn't get it out of the zone. Once he missed Kyle Turris with a pass and once he made a kind of a weak uh, clearing attempt that didn't get past the, the guy on the point. And uh, eventually that led to continuing pressure in the goal. So that kind of put a, put a little bit of a damper on the end of it. They got caved by possession numbers, but Edmonton had big score effects on the side, and a lot of the possession numbers tonight were shot attempts as opposed to actual shots by Vancouver because those shots weren't all getting through or not getting all on target. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it, but it's just something you can bet there will be some people out there saying, "Look at what, look at those Corsi numbers for Keith and Cece. They're terrible." And uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I thought they did. Not a... be the first pairing, and tonight they were asked to be the first pairing. Yeah, I thought they did a good Bruce... job keeping it to the outside. Actually, Bruce, mm-hmm. yeah. like there was a lot of zone time. There were shots around the net, but they they did a fairly good job of li- limiting the most dangerous kind of grade A shots. And that's what you want to do. That's the whole goal. You know, the Oilers protect the middle of the ice. That's what Tippett does, right? He's not so worried about shots from the outside. And um, the whole Oilers' defensive philosophy is is to protect the middle of the ice, in in every in the neutral zone as well, right? Funnel it to the outside, push them to the corners, and then pounce on them, right? That's what they're doing. Shorthanded, it's what they're doing at even strength. And um, yeah, it's, they were out there in that stretch for quite a while, but generally in that stretch, they they did a good job of uh, funneling it all to the outside and. Um, you know he did he did miss that one pass that was kind of odd I don't know what happened there where 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 he was trying to hit Turris I don't know if he expected Turris to go one way and he went another way it was an it was a that was a strange one I'd have to look at it again it either went through Turris' stick or I think it just kind of skimmed over it it just didn't quite yeah flat on the ice like he he picked out the the probably the right guy but it just didn't connect yeah um, what's your number Bruce uh my number is eight. Uh, that is eight percent on the face-off circle for uh, uh, would-be uh, right shot uh, face-off with Derek Ryan, who otherwise had a pretty good game, but he was one win, eleven losses on the face-off circle, including in the defensive zone, zero for eight. And what would happen over and over again was Vancouver would win the draw and then the puck would be in Edmonton's end for 20 or 30 or 200 seconds. Uh, you know, mostly on the outside and not usually in a dangerous position. Win a damn draw once in a while, man. You know, get this win one, get it out of there, make your change. We'll keep it going and get direction. And starting without the puck all the time, is not the, the recipe you really want to see. So uh, I'm hoping it was just a bad game and not the erosion of a guy's skills that's been a kind of a 55% face-off man for a long time. But tonight he was just getting honed, as my son would say, on the dot. No. 
He's career 55% faceoffs in the NHL, 55%. But in the last two years, he's been 52%. So maybe it's dropped off a lot off higher a than bit. 8%. A lot higher than 8 and a lot higher than, you know, 41% or 43%, yeah. like some of the Oilers centers have had in recent yeah. years. So, um, yeah, maybe just who knows. Anyway, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not dumping on Derek Ryan. I'm just saying his numbers – which this is the numbers section. His numbers on the dot tonight were they did stand out and not in a good way. I've liked him generally speaking. I've liked his game. So, but uh, yeah, that's not good, obviously. All right, Bruce. Regular season coming. What's the first game Tuesday? What is Wednesday, it? Wednesday the 13th. Wednesday. Yep, and cool. it's uh, again against the Vancouver Canucks. Now they're playing and they're having swept the two pointless uh-huh, exhibition geez. games. Makes me a little nervous. As me too. What's yeah. going to happen when they play one game for points? But uh, hey, let's just have at it. It's, I think, a really nice rivalry developing between these two teams. Vancouver's good. They got some real good players and some high skill players. And these games are going to be fun to watch. Indeed. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.